0: Father, we just ask that you be with James. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, Father. And give us yeah, give us the means to, and the Spirit, Father, to respond to you. We ask it in your name. Amen. Happy New Year, all. Good to see everyone. Uh, do turn to Nehemiah chapter 12. That's where we're going to be this morning. If you've got a Bible with you, don't worry if not. It'll come up on the screen uh, behind. Um, I'm James. If We've not met before. I'm one of the leaders here at New Life. Um, married to Jess, and two children, Sebastian and Florence, who are five and three. And I work um, here at the church. A new life, and um, we're in this uh, series in Nehemiah. I was ill a few weeks back and uh, missed doing this preach, and so we're just kind of coming back to it at the end of the series. And then next week we're going to start a new series called Sticky Church, looking at um, the prophetic words that we were given sometime back in I think April last year. Um, just digging into those for three weeks, and then we're going to go into the Book of Philippians and do a series in Philippians, looking at what it means to have joy on the journey of following Jesus. Um, you might well know that Philippians is the book of joy. So, looking forward to getting into that. Uh, today, we're looking really at kind of what we've been doing this morning, which is singing. We don't often kind of hear much about singing, preaching-wise, so I thought it'd be good this morning just to give a kind of a bit of a brief theology of singing, like why do we sing, how do we sing, why is it important to us. It's not just a habit, it's not just traditions, it's not, not just a nice thing to do on Sundays, it's central to the Bible. I mean, literally, if you open the centre of your Bible, you open up to the Psalms, which is a collection of songs. It's at the beginning of Scripture. In Job, it says that creation was accompanied by singing. It says, where, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? It's at the beginning of Scripture, it's at the center, it's at the end of Scripture. This is Revelation 15, and they sing the song of Moses. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Jesus himself uh, sings as well tells us in Matthew twenty-six thirty that Jesus sang with his disciples, a hymn with his disciples after breaking bread. And there's a picture in Romans 15, verse 9, of Jesus being like the chief worship leader of the church. In Paul's letters, we see in Ephesians, we filled with the Holy Spirit and address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. And there's a passage I'm going to bring up later at the end of the talk this morning from Zephaniah where it shows us that God himself is a singer. He's the great singer, the great musician. And we're made in his image and so we're made to sing. So Christianity is really quite unique in that respect in that singing is so central to our faith. And the importance of singing is kind of, in Christianity, is kind of reflected in culture. If you think about the type of music that you're into, the kind of genre that you listen to, the chances are that it probably finds its roots or is heavily influenced by Christianity. So if you're into classical music, imagine a few of us here into classical music, finds its roots in the 17th and 18th century. And you think of the requiems and the passions of uh, Vivaldi and Handel and Bach and so on. If you're into more modern music, into blues or jazz, R&B, rock, pop, soul, gospel, I'm rooted in the 19th and 20th century uh, spiritual songs, sung on the plantations, enslaved Christians, singing call and response songs. I'm no expert on the history of uh, music, but um, I read something quite interesting about how um, lots of genres of music find their roots in Christianity. So why is it that we sing? Why is it so important to the Christian faith? Uh, how should we sing? And so on. Let's get in into the passage. We're in uh, Nehemiah chapter 12, verse um, 27. Um, I don't know if this working. Sorry, Paul. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27. I'm going to read to uh, verse 47. Uh, I'll start reading, and then hopefully it'll come up in a second. Ah, great. Thanks, Paul. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places. They've uh, finished rebuilding the wall, and now they're celebrating the fact that it's been built. To bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing. With cymbals and harps and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geber and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks, as we've been doing this morning, One went to the south on the wall to the Dung Gate, um, which is literal, and I'll talk about that later. And after them went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah, and it names them. And certain priests' sons with trumpets, and it names them, uh, with musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them, and at the fountain gate they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east and the other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north so there's two great choirs one to the south one to the north of the city and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yashana and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel. And the, and the both choir and the Tower of Hundred to the sheep gate and they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God and I and half the officials with me and the priests names them with trumpets names them and the singers sang with Jezreelhire as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy, and the women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far far away. I feel like the writer's trying to make a point there about what it was like. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather them into portions required by the law, for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, they were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel, in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah, gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites And the Levites set apart that, which which was for the sons of Aaron. This passage is a great example of why and how we sing. It's one of the noisiest and loudest examples of singing in all of Scripture. And it's not only this type of singing that we see in Scripture, though. Uh, In in this passage, we're seeing a a song of celebration. I don't want to make out like all singing in the Bible is celebration. There's lots of different types of singing, praise, confession, lament, songs of prayer, of wisdom, of history, of songs of ascent, songs of offering to God, songs of the cries for justice. So in Christianity, it's not like you only sing when you're winning. You know, in the opposition football team, you know, it's telling you you only sing when you're winning. It's not like that. You get songs when people are down in the depths, like really struggling uh, with life. We see Silas and Paul in the New Testament, no, singing in prison in Philippi. Um, so we sing at, at all times, no matter kind of what's going on really in life. We see that in the Bible. How and why do we sing as God's people? Well, the first thing is that we sing, thankfully. We celebrate and thank God because the work is complete. In the passage, they do that because the wall's been built. They've been rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. They've completed the project. It's been restored. God has accomplished what he said he would do. And the people celebrate. It says, verse 27, they celebrate with thanksgiving. Verse 31, they appointed two great choirs to give thanks. Verse 38, other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north. north. It's a song of thanks. We sing thankfully. And we sing thankfully, don't we? Because of the work, the restoration work that Jesus has done for us on the cross. Restoring us to relationship with God by dying in our place for our sins, having lived the perfect life that we haven't, and rising again from the dead so that we can have the hope of being eternally restored to him in good relationship with him forever. We celebrate what Jesus has done and completed on the cross. And what is fulfilled there, restoring us to God and with one another. And having just had a season of giving and receiving gifts, we're probably familiar with the enjoyment um, that comes with a gift when you thank somebody for it. Or differently, if you get a gift, but you don't have opportunities to say thank you. Like you're doing a secret Santa in your family and it goes away with somebody, but you don't get to see them open it. Um, or they're not with you when you open the present. You you miss out on that opportunity to give thanks to the person who gave you the gift. And it kind of robs you of some of the enjoyment of the gift, doesn't it? Part of the enjoyment of receiving a gift is being able to say thank you to the person who gave it to you. It honours the giver, but it also gives us the enjoyment of receiving it. And when we give thanks to God, we're honouring him as the giver of life but we're also expressing our joy. It gives us joy as a recipient of the life that he's given us when we thank him. And it kind of increases our joy, doesn't it? To say thanks back to him increases the enjoyment of God himself. And so when we thank God every Sunday morning when we come together and sing, we sing because we're joyful, but we also sing to increase our joy. It rekindles the joy that we have in God. The things that we're thankful for, that we were talking about this morning and people were giving thanks for, it rekindles that joy. So if you're ever at a time when you're feeling flat, when you're really struggling in life generally, um, singing is a really good thing to do. If you're feeling robbed of your joy, then singing is what we need to do to sing thanks to God. It's why we do it every Sunday, because all kinds of things can go on during the week. When we come on a Sunday, we come to give thanks to rekindle the joy of our salvation every week and what God has done for us and the gifts he's given us. And we see in the passage that one of these choirs goes to the south and goes to the dung gate and it becomes a place of celebratory singing. This is literally the refuse dump of Jerusalem. It's on the outer edge of the city where the prevailing winds would carry the smell away and this choir... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> isn't literally stands at the dung gate and sings. If there's a time in life that stinks, if you feel dumped on, when you feel like rubbish in life, those times can be restored and become like a dance floor, a time of celebration because of the restoration work of Jesus in our lives. That's why we sing thankfully. We also... Uh, sing uh, together, we sing together, verses forty to forty three it tells us who 's involved the Levites, the sons of singers, the people, which is pretty broad isn 't it? I think that kind of just means everyone really the leaders of Judah, two huge choirs, half the officials, priests, singers, men, women, and children so it 's not just a, an individual gifted soloist, a gifted performer everyone 's involved in this everyone is involved, whether you can sing or not. They're all singing together, choirs, all people, men, women, children, leaders, instruments involved. The whole city is involved in creating a cacophony of celebration to God. It's congregational, it's not individual. And singing is one of those few things where if you like do it together, it kind of amplifies and enhances and increases the thing you're doing, doesn't it? If you're having a conversation with somebody... If you both do it at the same time, talk, the conversation kind of usually breaks down. Although you may have witnessed some people who seem to manage to talk at the same time and hold a conversation together. Which is quite impressive. But generally, it breaks down, doesn't it? But when we sing and we sing together, it enhances the singing that we're doing. It reinforces it. It amplifies it. And it's a picture of how, when we sing together here on a... Sunday morning or a Wednesday prayer meeting or in our house groups, um, we're actually enhancing and reinforcing and amplifying one another's faith. When we gather and sing, we're encouraging one another by song. Just like Paul says in the letter, address one another in hymns and songs, spiritual songs, because we uh, strengthen one another's faith. Maybe some of us have had experiences where you're in... Uh, kind of situation where you're all singing together often in quite large crowds and the excitement and joy and uh, enthusiasm of the other people who are singing does something to your faith doesn't it? I mean some of the most memorable times of singing with others have come at conferences with thousands gathered and seeing people's joy in the mission that God has called us to and in what Jesus has done for us on the cross and in his resurrection just like lights you up doesn't it? It kind of strengthens you, lifts you. I'm sure many of us have had those kind of um, occasions. And this is something Jesus did. It's interesting. He doesn't really explicitly say it, but it's after the breaking of bread, just before Jesus, um, Peter denies him, before he agonizes in prayer in Gethsemane, before Judas betrays him, before his unfair arrest and his mocking and beating and crucifixion, what does Jesus do with his disciples? He sings a hymn with them just before all of that. Singing is a way in which we serve one another when we gather together for the encouragement of one another, for strengthening each other. I wonder if we ever thought about that. The way that we sing together matters because it's not just for yourself, it's for the others that are around you. When others are enjoying God, that kind of, As I've said, it kind of helps, doesn't it? It's a little bit sad sometimes when you walk into an occasion where Christians are singing that, you know, Jesus has defeated death and that he's alive. And you walk into the room and you think, is he? Who died? It shouldn't be like that, should it? I mean, there's something quite ironic about it, literally. You know, he's not died. The point is he hasn't died. He did die, but he rose again from the dead. And there should be something in the way that we sing... ...that demonstrates that. Yeah? It encourages one another, doesn't it? The reality of Christ risen from the dead... ...and all that it means for us. So we sing together. We also uh, sing noisily. Verse 27. There they they were singing, cymbals, harps, lyres. Uh, verse 31, two great choirs. Verse 35, tr- with trumpets. Verse 36, with musical instruments... It looks something, this occasion, like a noisy, vibrant, extravagant street festival. That's what it would have sounded and felt like. It was a loud, it is a loud text that we've read this morning. And the, there is an emphasis in the whole of scripture on volume, which goes a little bit against sometimes, I think, what we're, we're told in the West about, about our singing, so that... I'll just, um, here's some passages. I could have picked hundreds, but I had limited time. But here's a handful. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Psalm 98, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Psalm 35, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad. So all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant with shouting to the sound of the horn, trumpets and cymbals and made loud music on harps and lyres. Ezra 3, they sang responsively praising and giving thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted With a great shout. (laughs) Gotta emphasizing something there when they praise the Lord. Isaiah 12. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. If you read the Psalms, there's, there's a lot of imperatives there. They're not suggestions. That's, those are imperatives. Like, do this. Shout. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Why? Because God is worthy of all the praise a noise we can make because through Jesus he's restored us to God and given us life in all its fullness. So we make noisy song, one for God, two for one another as we've already heard, but three, we also make it for others. There's kind of a, a, this verse 42, uh, a song about song being a witness to the world. It says, the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away people who were living in a distance away could hear the noise they were making in jerusalem that's how loud it was why did they why did they do it why did the volume matter um it leaves the people in a uh, deposit in people's hearts doesn't it raises questions when you see people like if you're ever a, a public area and there's a group of people making a noise well, they burst out and kind of... You kind of wonder, oh, I wonder what's going on there. Whose birthday is it? You know? It should be kind of the same when we're singing as Christians. You know, why are they celebrating? Every Sunday, really? <laughs> what happened? You yeah, know, why are they doing that? Uh, it says this of singing in, in, the, in Scripture. Psalm 57 says, I'll give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I'll sing praises to you among the nations. It's a witness to the world. Romans 15.9, I mentioned earlier, Therefore I'll praise you among the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and sing to your name. I remember when I was a king some time back, a guy um, whose in-laws actually live in in Beckles, And I was asking, he, he wasn't a Christian, but he was coming along to Sunday mornings, I was asking him, you know, you know, why is it he here? What's kind of brought you along? And he was saying that there's something about the worship that he felt was drawing him to God. Maybe that's why you're here. You're kind of, maybe something about the worship, just something about what's going on is kind of drawing you to God. People can be moved towards Jesus and following him by our song. That's the power of the noisy song of the people of God. It's not an excuse for us to turn up the PA and disturb the neighbours, um, but our volume in worship matters and if anything revelation shows us that the culture of the kingdom of god is loud just read revelation and a number of times it's loud here's one passage uh, revelation 14 i heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder the voice i heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps They were singing a new song before the throne, those who'd been redeemed from the earth. It's easy to kind of excuse ourselves from noisy worship and song because of perhaps our personality or our preferences, or the one that you often hear is, what I feel or what I'm thinking is what really matters. That's just not true. (laughs) It's not true. It matters how we sing, as we've heard it. It's to God but it's for encouragement of one another, and it's a witness to the world. It's not a competition, though, to be loudest, is it? It's not an excuse for us to like, distract one another in our singing or cut across one another with our noise. And there's grace for what noisy song looks like for each of us individually. Um, but volume matters, doesn't it? There's times for quiet, reflective silence. But the emphasis on scripture and congregational singing is loud. Volume seems to matter. And the uh, fourth way is we sing joyfully. That verse 43. It, I mean, I, it's, yeah. it's one of those verses where you think the, the writer's really made his point here, hasn't he? And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy which I don't think makes sense, but I think he's just saying it to kind of make the point. The women and children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far, far away. They're at pains, aren't they? Just um, How many ways can you say it? Singing is both how we express our joy to God about what he's done in restoring us to relationship with God, but it's also how we generate joy. We're happy, so we sing, but we also sing to be happy. We know the amazing restoration truths of Jesus' gospel, and so we sing. We also sing to take to heart the amazing restoration truths of Jesus' gospel. So why does, let's give us some thought, why does singing increase our joy? What is going on with that? I'm indebted to Andrew Wilson, who did a great little piece on this. and He was saying that... Um, um, singing unites what often is separate. Individually, within ourselves, firstly, it unites our body and soul. It unites our will and our feelings and our emotions and it combines with our physical body, our diaphragm, our breathing, our thorax, our pulse. It unites us with each other. we all got personal preferences for different styles of music, haven't we? We all like music a different way. Uh, We'd all rather have this rather than that. But those are minimised and you gain a greater sense of being part of something bigger which overrides our own kind of little picadillos, as it were. And we get caught up in something which is eternal and significant and rapturous. It unites us with each other. It unites us with physical creation. The stars sing at creation. The fields and the trees clap their hands. And Jesus says that if we don't sing, the rocks will... Cry out. It unites physical creatures with spiritual creatures. There are angels that have been singing for thousands of years, and we unite with them in worship of God. And fifth, and the one that grounds all of them, is singing unites us with God. He's the great musician, the great singer, the inspiration for every song. He's the one who sings out of creation, but also redemptively. He sings our salvation, as we'll see in this passage in a moment. So I thought what we'd do to um, to finish is to sing. <laughs> Which is why we tried to finish worship a little bit earlier, so we had a bit more time at the end. So if the band want to come back up, oh, there you are. Look at that, prose. Should we stand? And we're going to have a look at a passage, and then uh, I'm going to lead us into singing together. And given, given what we've talked about, we're going to sing thankfully, <coughs> we're going to sing joyfully and noisily, and we're going to sing together. There's this wonderful passage in... Um, Joe, sorry, do you mind putting up the PowerPoint just before we go to the song? No, it's okay. Um, there's this passage in Zephaniah 3 which speaks of God singing over us because of his restoration work in us as a people. Uh, it sings over us as a church, a new life. And it also speaks of a coming time, the consummation and final celebration of the res- restoration work that Jesus has done when he returns to us. This is Zephaniah 3, verses 14 to 20. Uh, on that, uh, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Have I got it in the right place? Uh, I need to go back one. Sorry. There we go. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your hearts, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. He's here. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem... Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in, at that that time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth, when I restore, when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Shall I pray, and then we'll sing together. Father God, we thank you that we have reason to rejoice. We've got reason because you have taken away the judgment against us, that we've sinned and deserved your wrath and anger, but instead in Christ we enjoy your pleasure, your smile, your singing over us. We thank you that you have cleared away our enemies, that the devil, death, fear, are all dealt with. We thank you that we're in your midst. We thank you that you bring your peace. We thank you that when our hands grow weak, you make us strong. We thank you that you're a mighty one who has saved us. We thank you that you rejoice over us with gladness. We thank you that you quiet us by your love. You exult over us here now with loud singing. And we thank you that we will no longer suffer reproach. You have dealt with everything that would come against us. You've changed our shame into praise. And we thank you, God, that there's coming a time when you are f- in the future, when you're going to return and gather us for the great song to the great singer. We thank you that the restoration work of Jesus Christ on the cross and in his resurrection, Is going to be made, is going to be consummated at that time. And we will celebrate with loud singing. And in anticipation of that now, Lord, we sing thankfully, joyfully, and noisily together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.